0: Hello, fuck demons. I am your queen, Ray, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. Today and for the next six weeks, we're going to be joined by Katie, who you're going to remember from episode 33. She's back with us for six more weeks. Katie is a sex educator in Sacramento, California, and we're excited to have her here.
1: Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here.
0: Are you ready to find out what's happening today in Sex News? I mean, for our listeners, this is going to be months ago for Sex News, but for us, it'll be today. Exactly. The article that we are discussing today is called The Best Clapbacks to the No Kink at Pride Discourse. It's from Extra Magazine, May 26, 2021. And I'm going to start with a quote. A recap for the uninitiated. Every year around Pride season, discourse emerges about whether BDSM, leather, puppy play, asses, tits, and a whole host of other things are often incorrectly dubbed as kink, should be present at public Pride events like parades. So it comes down to this big debate. Are people consenting to seeing these things? And isn't Pride all about consent? And also, what about the children? Like, that's what I can summarize the complaints to. So children, the article contends that opposition to all of these things at pride is rooted in a discomfort with queerness and that BDSM and leather culture is integral to the history of LGBTQ S plus liberation. And then goes on to say the parade is not about giving companies an opportunity to sell rainbow themed garbage. It's inherently political and about inclusion. And then it goes into some top clapbacks that were tweeted so the tweet says i don't think the kinks should be at pride i don't think that band is even gay um people in june no kink at pride think of the children people in october and then it shows you a bunch of slutty cartoon character costumes like a slutty pikachu and a slutty burton ernie if you're, which, by the way, is kind of a false comparison, but okay. If you're defending, <laughs> I'm like it's I funny, agree. but it's not. That's not really equivalent. If you're defending kinkit pride, have some empathy. I can still remember when I saw a man wearing nothing but a fur thong and a harness. Fucked me up. I was too young to process that, and I didn't really understand why he said by the power of gray skull beforehand. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> My only take on the no kink at pride discourse is I used to live down the street from this billboard every single day of the year. And then the billboard is a bunch of Calvin Klein ads. And there's like a guy who's on his back and a woman is like clearly kissing his like about to kiss his butthole or no, he's on his stomach and like his ass is in the air. And there's a lot of other topless Calvin Klein ads with like women who are topless, barely covering a nip, you know, Um, it's honestly, it was a very sexy ad. And very funny. Okay, then the last one is the kink at Pride discourse has has radicalized me and I am now pro-kink at Target, your local dog park and the Sunday shop. And shop is spelled with two Ps. All Indeed. right. <laughs> so before we... Katie, I want to know what's... What, genuinely, what's your opinion on kink or BDSM at Pride?
1: I mean, fucking go for it. Like, if the whole point is that celebrating being proud of all of your identities and kink is a part of that, then by all means, let's do it. And I... I know that you already kind of mentioned this, but the like the leather community is so deeply intertwined with the LGBTQ community, at least in certain... I mean, I can't speak specifically because I really only have been to Pride in San Francisco and Minneapolis, so I don't know, but they feel very, very aligned. And when we talk about the BDSM and the kink community, any kind of community that you are a part of that is about your sexual identity deserves to be honored and respected and celebrated. So by all means, like let's go for it.
0: I used to be one of those people who who thought, oh, you shouldn't be kinky in, in public. Like, you know, oh, you shouldn't wear latex at the gr-. I mean, I have, I should add, used pride as an opportunity in Toronto, where I live, we have a giant pride parade, we take over Mm -hmm. like two streets and there's a a street festival for the whole weekend. I've used that as an opportunity to go grocery shopping in a bikini. I once went grocery shopping in a bikini with my friend who was in full rubber. Like it's our excuse to basically dress like ourselves and go do normal things. And it's not a, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a sex thing. It was just like, wow, we can truly be ourselves. But then, you know, the rest of the time, You know, should you really be rubbing your kinks in other people's faces? That's inherently sexual. And then I think it might have been the Savage Love cast that was like, we're always rubbing sex in people's faces. Why is it different when that sex looks different or is queer or just happens to be a little bit more leathery? And so now when people inherently see, for example, latex as inappropriate for public consumption, I'm like, "Mm, it's actually not. It's, It's kind of like wearing like a leather shirt or leather pants to dinner out or like just in general wet look. Like, it doesn't need to be inherently sexual
1: about something. Sometimes it's just an aesthetic. And I think you, you made a really great point about the fact that sex is always being thrown... Like, everything is sexualized. Like, even in a puritanical country like the United States, we still have Calvin Klein ads where there's barely coverage of a nipple. And, I mean, the fact that nipples are banned from social media when chest feeders use them... To sustain, li- like, the reason that they are censored is because we have already sexualized it. So you can't pick and choose what sexuality is appropriate to be sent out to the masses. I mean, you can. It's just hypocritical.
0: Yeah. I should add that where I live, it's been legally, like, women can walk around topless legally since 1991. Social conventions have maybe prevented people from doing it, but I have noticed on the beach this summer and last summer, I'm seeing more and more women going topless on the beach here Mm -hmm. because we are aware of our rights and the pandemic has made people say, fuck it, I don't care anymore. It's all the places that you could have tan topless that were more comfortable don't exist, Mm -hmm. like Oasis clothes. So a lot of things like, oh, should boobs be out at Pride? Why not? If gay men can dress in like a Speedo and that's fine because it's celebrating their identity and their sexuality, why can't women be topless when it's not even about that. In fact, the Gay Pride Parade is a place where women typically feel safe to be topless.
1: Well, and I, and I think that there's you, you've you touched on one key argument that I, I think is still pretty heated and is a valid question and also here we are and it's, basically, it's like our straight why are straight people allowed to be at Pride celebrating? Like it's this isn't, we're not celebrating your straightness, we're celebrating our queerness and I, like, I personally feel like as long as folks are respectful and kind and are coming with an open heart, like, great, let's let everybody everywhere. But, you know, so there there is a certain level of, well, why do straight people feel the need to show up at Pride and... Be dressed in whatever they want, like
0: as a straight person who does that at Pride. I have a few reasons as to why we do that, which is oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Which I I would love to illuminate for our listeners, which is one: if you're gonna be an ally, you show up to the protests and you show up to the celebrations. Yep, yeah, that, it's both, and Pride is simultaneously both mm-hmm. a protest and a celebration. Yeah. The other thing that I want to add is that we forget that statistically. The majority of people in the world are not queer, based mm-hmm. off of how they self-identify. We mm-hmm. all know that sexuality is a spectrum. A lot of people are probably more queer than they themselves are comfortable admitting or recognizing. But that being said, let's let's set that aside. The majority of the people are self-identifying as not queer, which means that the majority of our policymakers are straight. Which mm-hmm. means that the majority of the people who are like I, it's disgusting to say you know, uh, that legalized gay marriage. They allowed it to happen. Like, no, the, the but laws did need to be changed. And those laws mm-hmm. were changed by straight people who wanted to be more inclusive mm-hmm. and wanted to recognize the validity of the love of different kinds of people, including queer people, including people who are maybe non-monogamous. We're not there yet in society. That's, <laughs>
1: but, you know, I... Including I, people who want to wear leather.
0: Yeah. So I think, <laughs> you know, why are straight people at Pride? Because... There's space for everyone everywhere. I don't have another way of saying that. Uh, and honestly, like, you know, the bars—they're gonna take your money whether you're gay or straight.
1: <laughs> it's capitalism. I just—I'm gonna keep throwing these hot takes out there. Yeah. I was m- making my uh Target drive-up order today, and it tried to sell me on like buying a bunch of rainbow crap, and I was like, well, Target, please show me what you're doing with the money that you're generating from this rainbow crap. Like what? What are you doing to make life easier for queer people? Are you offering the same rights to same sex couples as you do to hetero couples? Are you allowing folks who are in domestic partnerships but not married the same rights? Like what, show me where in your company policies you have actual rights for people who are not straight
0: we don't have target here anymore they came for a little bit and then they left and it's so sad but yes i agree we have that same issue but with banks we have um this really big bank company that has all these big rainbow flags and they sponsor so much stuff at pride and they actually with with no warning um apparently just decided that they didn't want to uh be oasis aqua lounge bank anymore because of what we do because of the sex stuff yeah so it's Pick a little bit and choose what mm-hmm. we're sexualizing. Here's here's before we talk a bit more about BDSM specifically because that's why we're here today. <laughs> uh, yeah. But one of the things that I love about the uh, Toronto Pride Festival is that all of these small local artists will set up kiosks and you can buy from local designers and local artists who are making queer art and queer things. So instead of me going and buying rainbow stuff from these big corporations, I'll typically buy something that's handmade by someone mm-hmm. who rented a booth. Some of my my best art that is on my walls I bought at Pride, like my favorite lesbian line art is from bought it at pride bought uh my husband um a pirate shirt to wear with his kilt at pride from the kilt store that sets up because it turns out that you know because of all the people who are into bdsm and queer people there's a kilt store and they make a killing i I was just
1: gonna say i was like because kilts are queer (laughs) yeah
0: apparently yeah who you know uh so (laughs) i just i i love i love pride and i also love that there is an intersection between BDSM and queer identity. There Mm -hmm. is, there's a lot of like the leather daddy look isn't a straight person's look. We've just adapted Mm -hmm. it because it's a great look and we want to
1: wear it, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and like, I think about like, I I had a photo shoot last weekend um, that was in a neon pink dungeon and it was uh, incredible. And at one point, like when I was getting my makeup done, she was like, well, like what look are you going for? And I was like, I want to look like a drag queen because I'm never going to be able to be a drag queen, but it's, it's my dream. And I ended up this like glam bimbo Barbie drag queen with a strap on. And I was like, this is queer as fuck. (laughs) And it's not in any of the ways that I normally quote unquote, like normally would be exploring my queerness and my kink. But like, in that setting, it felt so fun and so comfortable to explore that. And that is such an integral part of exploring your sexuality at all, is allowing yourself to try on a dick and be like, yo, check out this huge schlong that I have. And uh, like that is something that people would lump into the category of kink. But for me, it felt very much like exploring a part of like my queer identity. It, like and so that for me is the best example personally that I have of the intersection of those two of the two communities and why they belong together. And I know it's very personal, but like. But isn't the whole point
0: of talking about sexuality is that sexuality is personal, and the mm-hmm. personal is political? Wasn't that a, mm-hmm. a fun feminist phrase of the 70s, 80s? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that, that that first, first wave, Second yeah. Wave? Oh first man, wave? I'm a bad feminist. I don't remember. Uh, listen, suffragettes, vagina art on plates, um, today social media. Those are the waves, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I Checks got it. Shout out all. to me, yeah. Gloria Steinem dressing up as a Playboy bunny.
0: Yeah, and exposing oh, yeah. The, and exposing all. Yeah, I should add mm-hmm. the vagina art on plates. There is literally an art piece called like the dinner party, and it's this artist who just made a bunch of vaginas that are the table settings, and mm-hmm. it's like giant sculpted plates. Like that wasn't word vomit. I That's see a real, it. it's
1: a real art piece. Okay, so w- would have been very good word vomit though.
0: Yeah, but no, I was thinking about a very particular art piece that I, <laughs> I have forgotten who even did it. Uh, feminist art of the 70s is super interesting and very much about like vulvas and vaginas and labias. Okay, so BDSM. For our listeners who are new, what is BDSM? BDSM stands for bondage, discipline, domination, submission, or sadism, masochism, BDSM, all of there. Um, also known as S&M. You would be familiar of it with it from Rihanna's famous song, S&M.
1: Sex in the air.
0: I love the smell of it. Six and stones may break my bones, but whips and chains excite me. Mm.
1: Yeah. Fair enough, Riri.
0: Yeah. There is also uh so a lot of, this is, this is like a sexual identity people have in terms of they'll say, I'm a dom or I'm a sub or I'm a Or I'm a switch.
1: Or I'm a switch, which means that you like
0: both. <laughs> I'm a sadist. I'm a masochist. It is a relationship dynamic, not necessarily a romantic relationship dynamic. It could be just a purely sexual relationship dynamic. It could be a dynamic you have with your boss. If that's the case, you might want to go to therapy or find a different job. It doesn't all turn <laughs> into secretary for everybody. <laughs> and for some people... It's an aesthetic. Wearing chokers looks BDSM y, but that doesn't mean you're into BDSM. But I do love BDSM aesthetic. It's one of my favorite Mm. ones just like O rings
1: and leather and chokers. And I got a leather mini skirt yesterday. Mm, and I am so ready to wear that with my thigh high fish yes
0: yeah it's gonna be great I think it's very interesting I mean I wear a lot of latex it is very interesting how based off of what I wear on my social media people either assume I am a dom or a sub Mm. Mm -hmm. like they don't just assume I'm someone who wears latex on social media they're like well you're definitely a dom or you're definitely a sub and then they like open up these interactions with me as if I'm their dom or as if I'm Mm. their sub which is so lacking in consent in so many ways let's talk about men and our dms oh yeah let's do that for a second um I have so many articles about that but what I will say is uh do not open and assume that we are in a relationship of any kind and that I'm your dom or your sub because that's gross
1: stop it And stop asking personal questions of strangers on the fucking internet. Like, just because you get to see my tits doesn't mean you get to ask me what I studied in grad school. Like, maybe I don't want to talk to you about that.
0: Also... Do you feel like there's a part of them that wants to act like you're better because you went to grad school? Like, oh, what did you say? Like, let's have an emotional connection here because I need that to feel like you're my girlfriend in order to make this feel okay.
1: Well, I think it's way more of that than it is about like me being smart and not like all the other sex workers on the Internet. It's I think it's way more of I want to know the true you. And I'm like, oh. you see the true me all the time. This is this, this is you're looking at all it. there is of me.
0: <laughs> I did have um one of my one of my OnlyFans subscribers, Niall, you're great. Thanks very much for subscribing. Um he <laughs> He's wonderful. I was having a really bad week once where I was just like, why do I do anything? Why do I make content? Why do I do anything ever at all? Is it even worth having to deal with the deal? And then he was like, I love your content. I love that you, you know, have all of these sides to you and we get to see all of it. And it's just really fun to get to know you and talk about sex with you and all these different ways and, you know, on OnlyFans and through your podcast. And I was like, Oh Niall, you've just rejuvenated me. Here, free oh, nude Niall. for you. Like yeah,
1: right. Like Niall, subscribe to my OnlyFans.
0: <laughs> we'll advertise <laughs> that at the end. No, he's a uh, he's uh, honestly like a uh, like those are the kinds of interactions that I'm like, thank you for appreciating mm, everything mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it, men in your yes. DMs are like shitty, and sometimes men in your DMs are like, oh, you actually appreciate the content, not just my butthole.
1: Yeah, that's well, all I'm Not only that, for. but like you you aren't sliding into my DMs to try to get something out of me for free. Mm-hmm. Like you understand and respect the boundary in this relationship and what that looks like. I mean, that's something in every single line of work of, of it's having the boundaries between work relationships and private and personal relationships. And the interesting thing about sex work of all kinds is that that power is in the hands, like it's in your hands and also it is... There is a lot of pressure to cross that boundary all the time. There's this assumption that because you have made X, Y, and Z choice, all of a sudden somebody has a right to whatever they want from you. But with all of that being said, I, well, I was going to transition us back to talking about LaTeX. We
0: we can, but I have one last thought before we talk about yeah, okay, which is I also think that there's this assumption that sex is intimacy. Mm.
1: Ooh, yes. Like
0: sex is always intimacy. And we have this intimate connection because I've seen parts of you that are normally covered up. And and that's not intimacy. That's just
1: body parts
0: or sex. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. think sex and intimacy can come together. And there are people who will say like, oh, well, we were intimate together. But there are some people that you are having sex with and you're not being intimate at all. Oh, yeah. You can have intimacy and BDSM.
1: And not be having sex.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Having zero penetration. And there's still a level of intimacy there that you don't experience with anyone else. Well, you have to have such a high level of trust in order to engage
0: in these very risky behavior, not risky behaviors, like there is a risk of harm in some of the acts that you're doing and you are putting yourself in a position where you could be harmed. And so there needs to be a lot of conversations leading up to it and a lot of trust building before that
1: point. Yeah. And I think that there is, I guess, one of the downsides to BDSM becoming more of a a part of the mainstream conversation, like because it is becoming normalized, it's not obviously it's not entirely normalized yet and it's still stigmatized. However, um it is becoming something that i think people treat very casually at times mm. and um, it's not a casual thing no it, it isn't and and i think that what makes it difficult is um when when you talk about gatekeeping in communities like y- you don't want to be the person that's like oh i don't think you realize actually how much goes into a kink relationship so like maybe you should think about it before being interested like there's a difference between saying hey maybe you want to like do a little bit of reading and have some like personal conversations with your partner before making this decision versus oh I just like you clearly just read Fifty Shades of Grey and that's all you're interested in and you don't belong here like they There's a difference between being concerned and gatekeeping. The Fifty Shades of Grey comment is an opportunity to educate. The thing that's very interesting
0: about Fifty Shades of Grey is anyone in the the BDSM community was appalled by that book because of the lack of consent and the rape that was being disguised as BDSM And, and the abuse. But there weren't, conver- and there were so many conversations happening in the kink world, but there were people who their eyes were opened by those books, and they ended up entering the kink world and learning about consent and consent models and all the conversation, all the work that does go into it. And it was their, their first little dip of their toe. And then they entered this world where everyone cares so deeply about each other's safety. And this also goes into, there's a difference between a dom and a top.
1: Yes. And I still, like, I could not easily describe the difference oh I can you continue I know you can and I'm really excited to hear how you do it because like I need the (laughs) elevator pitch but I was you know it it was somebody asked me they're like what what's a power bottom isn't that just a top and I'm like no that's no no Well, a a power bottom (laughs) is someone who can take
0: it so hard and go 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 the energizer budding yeah bottoms yeah oh my god oh yeah power okay Well, I also saw this really interesting TikTok about um, an alpha sub, a woman who's an alpha sub. She's she's so in charge everywhere else in her life. It was an amazing TikTok that was sent to me. So in charge of everything in her life that when it comes to the bedroom, she does want to relinquish control, but she must trust you inherently. She must trust you so hard and you need to earn that trust. And if you don't earn it, you're not going to get that side of her. And
1: And, well, and that's you missed it because Katie was pointing furiously at herself. I was pointing at myself so hard because I mean that's exactly it. Like when I mean for a long time, I felt very ashamed of having any kind of like submissive desires because I was like, "This is not who I. This is not my personality." But that's exactly right. It is. I am the decision maker in so many places that. I just want someone you to just be to control chill. the situation. And I just want to lay here and be cute and it's like the, wear pink. and
0: <laughs> It's the sex know. version of being pretty woman with Richard Gere, right? He comes in yeah. with all this money and he just treats her and says, show up here at this time and look good. And you're like, thank you, daddy.
1: I will like, happily.
0: Yeah, it's kind of nice sometimes. But it's, it's the point being, though, that that is because you like having autonomy in all those other places too. It's not like we're like, oh, we, you know, that woman wants to be submissive all the time and everything. Those women like to be in control and want to be in control and like having autonomy. And so it's nice every once in a while to have someone you can trust to relinquish that with. So the difference between a top and a dom. A top is someone who likes to be in charge. A dom understands that you are doing an act together and it's in service of doing something that you both cannot do alone.
1: Ooh, That's also super sexy.
0: A top, yeah, like a top wants to choke you with their dick because maybe they secretly hate women. A dom (laughs) wants to choke you with your dick because you both like being choked. Like you like being choked with a dick and he wants to choke you with his dick. Like you never know. I would say that some people are just sort of top. Like sometimes a top also is someone where like they're maybe into more aggressive sex, but they're not necessarily into shibari which is not about tying someone up to fuck them. Sometimes it's about tying someone up to tie someone up.
1: I often feel that the approach to sex in, like, mainstream society is, like, there is a goal, and the goal is the male orgasm. And unlearning multiple decades of that, like, indoctrination is really fucking hard. And... And so for me, I am still learning to understand the ways in which an experience can be explicitly sexual and intimate and not have any actual sexual acts, like not have penetration of any kind, not have orifices being used to put other things into, like, (laughs) that was a weird way to phrase that. Well
0: um hi mom I'm gonna tell a personal story I found out my mom does listen to every episode and she oh god hi mom um I'm really into like biting like biting people and being Mm, bitten mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like I have been like fully dressed in a scenario where this one guy was like biting my shoulder in public and it was like
1: you were about to come right
0: there felt like it for a minute it was like very it was it was great and mm-hmm. uh, there was no penetration. There was nothing else going on, but it was an incredibly sensual experience. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't going anywhere in that moment. We were going to fuck in the middle of, of... We were literally like surrounded by people and it, it was like a bar in Germany and my yeah. friends was there. Sorry, Maya, that you had to sit through that. Um, but uh, she was like right beside me and I'm like, this is not weird for me at all. So, because I was enjoying myself too much, but that was it. Like, it wasn't about penetration. Yeah, sometimes when you enjoy yourself too much, you don't care if people are watching.
1: Well, and, and what I was... I, And that is a big factor in arousal. Like when you when you talk about foreplay, like especially for people with clitorises, like being eaten out is not foreplay like that. Like that is the sex. That is the sex for for many people. And like. That's not foreplay. Like the foreplay is the like kissing nibbling on your shoulder Mm -hmm. and the saying. I'm really into you, or you look really fucking hot in those pants and I want you to take them off for me. Like the dirty top, like there are so many more pieces of foreplay that it's like now because all of a sudden we give a shit about foreplay, we've just assumed that like digital penetration and oral like that's foreplay. And it's like, no, that's not. That's that's sex. That's sex. Uh, I really
0: love the idea of. Understanding BDSM through this lens of decentralizing the male the male orgasm as mm. sex because mm-hmm. when you take get rid of that as the as a definition of sex then yeah being spanked not oh I I didn't realize that I had a different definition of spanking from my my uh, non lifestyle friends by the way this is a fun story okay what so, did they
1: think spanking was okay
0: so um, spanking in the BDSM world is a form of impact play right yeah. like I have seen girls bent over another girl's knee being spanked. And that was the whole purpose of what they were doing. I have seen people tied to a cross who are being flogged. And the purpose was to be flogged. Someone described the feeling once of like getting a deep, uh, like a deep tissue massage for them. And I was like, that's so nice for you. That's not the one I tried it. That's not what it felt like. And I wanted it to stop. (laughs) But thank you. Um, Anyway, I found out that my non-lifestyle friends, when they say, do you like to be spanked during sex? They mean like a little on the butt. Like a little, like when, yeah, yeah, that's what they meant. So they were saying, oh, are you into spanking during sex? I'm like, no, I'm not into spanking. I'm not into impact. Like in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm not into impact play. And then, and then I find out months later, that's not what they were referring to. And I'm like, Oh, no. What? What? Anyway, it was a really funny moment where they're like, what the fuck were you talking about? And we had to have this like fun little educational moment where they educated me what most people meant when they said spanking. And I educated them what spanking means with the circles I run in and the circles I've been running in since basically I was a teenager, like 19 years old. So that
1: is so interesting to me. And like, and (laughs) and I never I never considered that because like because I am someone that likes to be spanked, like. The number of times that I have had a sexual partner, like, spank me, and I'm like, that, that's it? Like, mm. can't, like harder, please. <laughs> but then I, you know, I was young, and so, like, I don't know what I yeah. was doing. And now I understand how to ask for what I want, but, like. Yeah, now uh, you say I, harder. I, I spank me also, harder. I also should give a disclaimer to my family to not listen to this. Though I will say when my um, when my husband, when I outed myself to to my mom as, um, as being poly, she was like, well, you guys have only been married for like two months. How do you even know that you're not sexually compatible? And I was like, well, it's not about sexual incompatibility. And I like said all this other stuff, but in my head, I just wanted to be like, well, because he doesn't want to tie me up, mom. <laughs> Maybe you should have. I, yeah, there's a part of me that thinks that if I had... The, it would have taken the more time my, for her uh, to accept it. <laughs> my mom and I have
0: this agreement where sometimes she'll, she'll ask me a question, a personal question, and I will look her dead in the eye and say, mom, do you really want to know the answer to that? And she'll think about it and then say, no, no, I don't. And then we move, move. on. Or sometimes yep. she'll say, yes, I do. And that's how I taught my mom about butt plugs.
1: So, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, also, I'm going to open this food that Nadar just brought me to see what it is. So it's going to make noise. So is it a burrito? Dave, I don't know.
0: Okay, Dave, we're going to edit out
1: these noises. <gasps> it's garlic bread.
0: Never mind. We're not going to edit out the garlic bread. Take a you nice. Want the garlic. Bread. Can you describe the sensual experience of eating this garlic bread for me? I can. She's licking it slowly. She's smelling it.
1: Mm, the garlic smells so good because it's been really nicely roasted. Mm. She's taking mm. a
0: slow, full bite of the garlic bread
1: and it's the kasha, so it's really um Soft. very sumptuous ooh, very moist mm.
0: well this has been so far a fun time to get this is mm. i feel like our episodes tend to go a bit all over the place but that's fine yeah, they um, hates us okay well <laughs> um okay so we've talked a little bit about about acts. so i'm let's go into it so we've talked about latex which is Anesthetic, but not necessarily BDSM. It's like more latex. I would put more in the kink category, like an object that you are into, like feet okay, are a kink. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but BDSM tends to, I I think, refer very much to relationship dynamics and the acts you are and doing. Actions. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, getting into a vac bed and having your partner play with you is a kinky BDSM thing. But just wearing What's a vac bed. Oh yeah, thank you. A latex vacuum suck bed. So um it's two pieces of latex and you basically crawl in and then you suck out all of the air and you feel completely encased. I've never done this, but I see Katie, you're interested now. Look up vacuum. No, that sounds
1: terrifying.
0: Oh, okay. Some people are
1: really into the feeling. I am certain that it is feels fucking fantastic. The thought of that just scares me because I'm claustrophobic. I love to have sex in small spaces, so maybe I should try a back bed.
0: But um, yes,
1: and report back, please. Wide
0: open spaces. I'm like, ugh, this is so. I hate when I go into a bathroom and it's a large open aired bathroom. I'm like, what if I need more toilet paper? If it's across the room, I'm fucked. So, like, I also like small bathrooms where you could reach everything from
1: the toilet, including the door. Oh, my gosh. We are such different people. <laughs> I would Which like we a, already knew.
0: <laughs> I would like a regular-sized shower, though. That would be nice. Fair. I would not. I, my shower is me-sized, and I'm not a large person. No.
1: So, yeah. So, so, kink, so, kink is more about the aesthetic and the object and, like, the idea
0: I I think it's more about like, uh, it's devoid of the relationship aspect of it versus I think BDSM is about the interplayer dynamic between two people, a dom, a sub or a switch and whoever they're with. Maybe. I I mean, some people might disagree, but I think that's an easier way of like BDSM has an aesthetic associated with it because Mm -hmm. when you've got a sub who's wearing a collar and you're leading them around on a leash, like that's an aesthetic that says those things. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like those leather bunny masks because of eyes wide shut or like pony play shit. Anyway, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of acts you can do in the context of BDSM. And it's just sometimes very
1: hard to do those things safely on your own. Mm, Yes. And that is the beauty of dungeons. Yeah. We love a dungeon. And trained doms, not just Mm -hmm. tops who are just fucking around. I, and that is something that um, listeners... If any of you are pro Doms and you are looking for a mentee, your girl is interested. So hit me up on Instagram or Twitter.
0: Well, speaking of that, let's, should we take a moment to just talk about Dom women and submissive men for this? We're going to do a few episodes on (laughs) BDSM. This is sort of our just general introduction. But I think today, maybe let's talk about Dom women. With submissive men. And when we say women, we are being inclusive of all women and all people who identify as women. Mm -hmm. When we say men, we are talking about all men and all people who identify
1: as men. Um, Hell yeah. And I there's it's so interesting because it took me um, starting to get my my certification in sex education, actually, for me to like really begin to understand the different types of relationship dynamics between dom women and submissive men. Like, that there's sissification, there is, like, I already knew about, like, pet play and age play and those kinds of things, but, like, the idea of, like, feminization and chastity play um, and all these different forms that that relationship can take, and it's just, the possibilities are endless,
0: so just to give some definitions, cisification is very much about, as you said, feminization or the idea of um, a man doing things that are typically associated with more feminine or even girlish things, like girly mm-hmm. things like wearing frills or playing frills, with dolls. cleaning, yeah. Clean. like playing yeah. with toys. Like very much little girl things, not necessarily mm-hmm. adult women things, like not CEO in a pantsuit with a skirt. I don't know. Pet play is when people... L- act like a dog and maybe they're puppies with other puppies and they'll dress up and act in this animalistic way or they'll have an owner who leads them around on a leash and they have masks that make them look like a dog that's pet play age play is when there's someone who is or older with someone who maybe is potentially a lot younger or that person is acting a lot younger usually it's acting like acting younger like this could be a 4-year-old man who is acting like a 5-year-old boy yes and there is a guess a sexual component to that as well although that one I've met people who are very much into like big little stuff. And my friend is saying that when she's a little, she doesn't have sex when she's in little space. She just wants to be taken care of by her dom. Mm, yeah. So I'm, I am I feel like age play is something that I might just set aside because I think that one is so complex and I don't. Well, necessarily... it's super.
1: Yeah, it's super complex and also I think very stigmatized. Yes,
0: but also could potentially be triggering to people. So I don't want to oh, yeah. get into yeah. that one too much right now. Definitely stigmatized, though.
1: Yeah, well, stigmatized. And I think that, like, I th- I think about the way that, like, the fr- the way that daddy has become so, like, common for people to use in non-sexual settings and yet is still A very something. Sexual. Well, it's not even that it's very sexual. It's more that, like, like I-, I remember, like, being in circles with female friends and them all talking about how, like, it grossed them out to think about, like, the fact that people can, like, call their male partner daddy and how awful it is and all this stuff and I'm like awkward I'm super into that some people can't set aside their personal squick from Mm -hmm.
0: from the general like I personally don't have daddy issues I love my dad we talk all the time now I would never call my partner daddy Mm -hmm. um and I did it once as a joke and we went and then at one point (laughs) he called me he called me mommy, mommy and oh, we both like yes. eh. like it was like a vomit reaction for both of us. We're like, no, this was an experiment, and it was exactly it went exactly where we thought it would go. That's incredible. But, but yeah, so calling someone daddy, I think also or poppy or anything like that. I think that also feeds into that whole like sexy older male trope mm-hmm. and like you yes. know the power trope. But we're talking about women in charge right now.
1: It's true, and I think we are. That, I just yes, yeah.
0: I do think that there is a certain dynamic that people automatically assume that if a man wants to be submissive, he wants to be humiliated. Mm, And humiliation is an aspect of BDSM, but it's not part of it for everybody. It's not always about humiliation.
1: No. Part of why I feel that the idea of submission is so appealing to men is for a very similar reason to what we were talking about when we were talking about an alpha sub, that like men are expected to fit into these very rigid societal norms and so all of a sudden having a place where they are able to be exactly what they want and you know be treated like they are small and they're not expected to not cry or whatever it is. And I think that people automatically assume that humiliation is included because it is something that is so associated with like the alpha male response. It's like, if you say something that threatens his masculinity, he is going to go off. When in reality, it's like, mm, that's not really.
0: I've, I've noticed that a lot of people who aren't in the lifestyle, they, they very much associate humiliation with. That that that, you know, they, you're taking away something that's important to them, like that that mm. toxic masculinity and like they can't separate it. They don't understand why a man would ever want to be submissive unless there was something wrong with him. Mm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I know so many men who just want to be tied up and used and just want to be fucked. Right. Could really you, hard. Yeah. Or like they they just want they just want their they want to be trapped and have a woman ride them and they have to put in zero work.
1: Because yeah. oh, yes,
0: think about it. Like men have to do all the approaching a lot of the time. Like in relationships, they are the ones who are expected to approach. And women do flirt back and women should also flirt back. But there is very much this weird dynamic where women have to make it known that they're open to being approached. And a guy has to make sure he's reading it right. And then he has to have the right line. And like, then you have to have a good confidence day. And there's a lot going into it. And honestly, like it's it's exhausting. Like as an aggressive woman myself... You know, it it can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to take away the wondering about, is this the right amount of aggression? That's not Mm -hmm. your job Mm -hmm. anymore. You don't need to be an aggressive, you know, confident man who always has to make the choices and take charge. That's not expected of you anymore. You can just sit back and enjoy the physical sensations of what's happening to you with whatever you're consenting to.
1: I just
0: got a a little turned on. It's fine. Okay, well... (laughs)
1: Okay. Here's, on. Uh, here's a question
0: for you. Okay, so I have a a friend who's been on the podcast before, but I'm not going to out her because I'll let her out herself one day. But she is a dominant woman, and mm-hmm. when she's in heterosexual scenarios, but she would love to be domed by a woman. She would only be submissive mm. for another woman, and she mm-hmm. was saying part of that has to do with trust and safety. She doesn't trust men in that position. She has um, experienced sexual abuse in the past. Mm-hmm and so for her she if she was in the wrong headspace or the wrong thing happened and that person was male bodied that could be that could genuinely be very triggering for her
1: yeah and really and a really painful experience
0: right and it wouldn't be a positive sexual experience but she does want to try being submissive so she's really curious about exploring that with women mm-hmm. so as a queer person do you want to talk a bit about how the dynamics are different in queer relationships when there's no you know You're going to assume the man's on top in a heterosexual relationship so many times, unless otherwise there's something wrong with the guy. But when you're both of the same gender, same thing. People in in same gender households have more gender parity or or not gender parity, sorry. They split the chores based off of want, not based off of gender.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the reason I started kind of giggling is because, like, I feel like one of the tropes of annoying questions that, like, female-female couples get is, like, who's the man in the relationship? Mm-hmm.
0: Or in male-male in couples, who's the woman?
1: Yeah, and it's like, well, neither. That's the whole fucking point. Like, that that's that's why I'm not with a man. We both get to be women, whatever that means to you. Well, and I, and I think, like, I can't... I can't... Well, maybe I can kind of speak to it, but I, I, I can't... I obviously do not speak for the experiences of all queer folks, and I have only been in same sex relationships within a the context of polyamory. And so I think that there's a certain level of um, like flexibility that comes with that because at least w- in my polyamorous relationships, there's a lot of like sharing of partners. And so th- the dynamics don't, the dynamics change all the time. Um, and so like, I don't know if, a homosexual couple that's together for many, many moons. I don't know how often those dynamics might shift. I would assume that it would be kind of similar to any other relationship where it's like, sometimes you want to be in charge and you're the driver. And sometimes you're like, no, babe, I have a headache. I don't want to do it. And so I don't know. That's kind of like tough for me to to answer to. Um, but like, I also think of, Like the the ideas of bears and otters, Um, so bears are like big, masculine, gruff, hairy men. men. Gay men, yeah. (laughs) Gay men and otters are you know like skinny, kind of hairless, small. No, no, you're thinking of twinks. Otters are the same. I thought they're the same thing.
0: Otters are like the skinny guy who's still hairy. Twinks are hairless and like you're, you're you're very slender. But an otter is someone who maybe is like still slender, not not big but definitely has body hair
1: interesting I didn't know that. look at what I'm learning this is so great
0: that's I mean uh feel free to call in if we are incorrect or write in uh <laughs> correction corner <laughs> I make all my straight friend my straight male friends for a while I made them take a what kind of gay stereotype are you are you the gym rat are you the otter are you the this and it was a lot of fun for me
1: wait I want to take that okay you're right I see you so taking funny. a note <laughs> yeah yeah, I think,
0: I think that there's definitely certain assumptions about who is supposed to be the submissive or who is supposed to be the dom in like heterosexual re- dynamic, relationship dynamics of BDSM. But in queer BDSM relationships, it might be different. You know what? We'll just have to explore that more maybe at a later time. I would
1: love that.
0: On that note, should we uh, take a quick little break before coming back for listener questions? Yes, I love that idea. We're back. Hello, Deviants Defining Elite. How does a person manage their feelings when their partner is polyamorous? Or maybe are some people just not cut out for polyamory? Signed,
1: squeamish Steven. Squeamish Steven, you sweet angel baby. Uh, The short answer is yes, there are definitely some folks who are not cut out for polyamory. But I don't know that I would phrase it that way because really it's all about the fact that like monogamy is the model that has been shoved in our faces and down our throats our entire existence. Well, depending on where you live, I suppose. But so it's pr- likely not that you're not cut out for it. It's that you have no preparation for anything besides monogamy.
0: Like managing your feelings or managing jealousy.
1: Yeah. And that's and that's the thing is I feel like jealousy is such a not celebrated necessarily, but very much accepted part of the like traditional male female relationship that it's it's the jealous man and the like hot woman
0: or if the woman is jealous she goes crazy and keys his car.
1: Looking at you, Carrie Underwood. Um.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of not a nice very not a nice jab.
1: Um, oh, it was a Carrie Underwood reference. You picked up You picked up what I was putting down. Good. Please continue. Great, beautiful. Um, so it, I mean, the biggest part of really of any relationship is communication. And so if you and your partner are deciding to start a polyamorous journey together, it's about establishing what that comfort zone is and having re- really regular check ins. However, from the phrasing of this question, it feels as if this person is starting a new relationship with someone who is historically poly and. Um, and I think that that is super, super hard. And there's actually, there's actually, um, there's a stereotype. It's a, there's a it's cowgirls and cowboys, and they're people who date someone who is non monogamous or polyamorous with the intention of like roping them into monogamy. Um, and it's not cute because it's su it super happens all the time. I'm going to be the one that makes them settle down because that's the trope we're
0: taught in rom-coms. There's a difference between a fuckboy and a poly person, and there are polyamorous fuckboys, but there's also polyamorous people who are not fuckboys.
1: Dude, I, that this is, and and we, like, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about this in a later episode, but, like, there are plenty of people who are non-monogamous specifically because they don't want to do the amount of work and growth and develop the level of self-awareness that it takes to have a healthy relationship. And so they're like, well, I'll just be non-monogamous and fuck whoever I want to all the time and not have consideration for other people's feelings. But polyamory is not that. Like polyamory is very much an identity and a lifestyle. And it's about constant communication, constant communication and the acceptance that everybody has needs that can be only met by other people, and no one person can satisfy all of those needs, and that's okay. So maybe we could talk about certain management tools or tips or
0: techniques people could try to explore to see if they are cut out for polyamory or not. One thing I would keep in mind is that jealousy is a feeling, and jealousy is an okay feeling to have. How you act on that feeling determines if it's a healthy relationship or not. We can all feel jealous. A lot of people think that jealousy and compersion, compersion is when you feel happy that your partner is happy. They think they're they're like two sides of the same coin. But, you know, there's a lot of advice saying that if you are a naturally jealous person, don't aim for compersion, aim for neutrality. Mm, mm-hmm. You don't need to be thrilled that your partner's seeing other people. But you can be like, oh, cool, neutral. Like you're not always going to get compersion out of it. But I would say that if you're having jealous feelings, you can express that saying, I am feeling jealousy, maybe try and find out why are you feeling jealous? Is it because you believe this person owes you all of them? Is it because you feel like you have a need? You feel like you're not enough, which uh, spoiler alert, you're not.
1: Is it that
0: <laughs> no, no one yeah. is enough for any one person? That's why we have friendships and community ties.
1: But is it that you're afraid that that this new person is going to replace you? Like, or will we be the better version. I get sometimes. I get friendship jealousy. I'm like, oh no, I can't oh, yeah. introduce my friend to this person. They're gonna like them so much more than me. Dude, yes, all the time. Well, and and there are like there have been times where I've been like, well, I met this really dope woman, but like I don't want to introduce them to my partner because I know that they're gonna vibe super hard, and I don't want them to date because then I don't get to date them. <laughs> poly problems and then I remember oh we're poly we can all date and also relationships ebb and flow and that is one of the pieces like that that is probably like most instrumental thing that I have learned from being polyamorous is the idea of the ebb and flow of a relationship doesn't have to mean that that relationship is failing or bad or like anything other than just You guys don't need each other as much right now as you once did, and that's okay. And you're going to need
0: each other again later one day. Exactly,
1: because it's all a cycle and it all comes through. So um, so I think when you say manage their feelings, we're making the assumption that it's jealousy uh, because I think that that is a very like probably the most common question if you're feeling overwhelmed with compersion i don't think they were going to ask if they're not
0: cut out for polyamory
1: fair i guess but i think overwhelmed is a very reasonable feeling to have also of like very overwhelmed by this new concept this the fact that your partner has all these other partners like that's a lot of people it's a lot to navigate there's a lot of different vibes that are created with different groups of people. And um, and so I think it really does come down to self-awareness and communication and being able to accept like where your shortcomings are and be graceful with other people's and your own.
0: There's also a time to express your feelings and there's a time not to. If your partner mm, is about yes. to go out on the date, you don't say, I'm feeling really upset about this right now because then they're not going to enjoy the date and you're ruining their experience. You're sabotaging it on purpose. Mm-hmm. You can say, I'm having a moment of insecurity. Do you mind taking mm. a moment to just be with me before Re-show you go me. on your date? Yeah, just, just a moment before you go on your date. And then make plans with your friends. Harder in a pandemic, but like call a friend, go on a walk. Don't sit there home alone, bored while your partner is having potentially a really fun time. Do something that's fun for you so you don't feel like you're missing out in any way. That would be another potential
1: option. Absolutely. And I, and at least for me, I find that the, the more that I know about this person. And the more involved I am, the, the more excited I am for my partner. Um, and so I think like, that's also a really, a really great way to overcome that is it is easier to be unafraid when something is no longer an unknown. Like the known is less scary than the unknown. And I know so that, that, that yeah. might be helpful too.
0: Some people have don't ask, don't tell dynamics because that's mm, what they need when they know it's just all they can think about they don't care as long as they don't know and then there's other people who are the opposite who are i need to know everything because not knowing makes me jealous and fear of the unknown
1: i fill in the blanks with the worst possible scenario
0: yeah and sometimes honestly the reality is not it's never it's never
1: as bad as you think
0: yeah so i don't know if that gives you enough of an answer i would suggest reading the ethical sludge for more resources um, that book is really good, uh, in terms poly of secure. poly secure, poly There's a lot of good exercises in these books that will help you sort of come to terms with these things or, or like come to terms with who you are as a person and determine if something is right for you. Um, there's a lot of really great theories of attachment and attachment research and how that like how when you attach to parents affects your relationships as adults. That's happening right now. So there's definitely a lot of research on this that have better therapeutic exercises from real therapy professionals that you could look into. I would just Google um, polyamory books for beginners and that'll probably get you started.
1: Good luck, Stephen. Steven. Yeah.
0: Join the Deviants Defining Elite by following us at Sex News with Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all the same shit reposted in three spaces. (laughs) Submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com or once again, DM me at wifebayray. Yes, they're open. Don't abuse it. I will ignore you if you open with hi. I will ignore you if you try and video call me without warning. I understand that sometimes we fuck up with that button because of that new Instagram update, but like, calm down, dudes. Follow me at WifeBayRay on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Razorlatex on Instagram and OnlyFans. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones for our yetis. And photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. Shout out to Dolly Shots Photography, who also just launched a new clothing line. It's super cute. It's very sizing inclusive and they've got really cute strawberry and watermelon themed pieces that are very burlesque vintage inspired so i know this is coming out probably months from now to be quite honest by the time we get around to editing it but uh her shit's super cute that is all we'll see you next time